Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. So, as a kid, well, I really have a disability, not a disability, that's, that's too far. Um, I have a, a problem with my eyes, which requires corrective vision, right? Um, I'm nearsighted. No, far, nearsighted. I'm myopic. And so I need glasses. I need corrective lenses to, to fix my vision because all I see right now is colors and, and blobs and spheres. And um, I like to think that my vision is this way now because of all the amount of time that I spent reading. And um, a true story, I actually read encyclopedias for fun. Like that was, that was me as a kid. Um, but I'd like to say it was for that, but it really wasn't for that. It's probably because I... Um, I played a lot of video games because I didn't have a ton of friends growing up, except for the ones inside my head. Lots of friends there. Uh, all I had were books, video games, and um, Doritos. I had lots of those. So I was a chubby little Asian kid, no friends, um, and now I need glasses. Actually, I'm going to pull out my glasses now because I can only take this illustration so far because uh, at some point I'll get a headache. Ah, much better. Um, when I don't have my glasses on, everything's fuzzy. I can't drive. Well, I could drive. It's not safe. You don't want to be around me on the road without any glasses. Um, I can perceive kind of what things are, right? Like I can look over in a direction and be like, that's a thing, probably a solid thing, uh, and I'm going to avoid that thing. Or I might see you from a distance, or I might see a face and be like, that maybe could be a girl. Or it could be a guy, right? But as a person nonetheless, I need glasses to help me understand. True story, one time I was coming back from class, um, and, and um, all of our, like, the people that I went to class with, it was a, a bunch of guy friends, and then we were going back to uh, where all our wives were, and um, I went up and I gave who I thought was my wife a hug. It turned out it wasn't her. <laughs> uh, and um, wasn't good. And no, don't take anything from that about, you know, about me and not knowing my wife or how all Asian women look the same. It's not true. Uh, come to think of it, I, I think I'm pretty sure I had my glasses on at that point. So let's, let's throw that one out the window. Um, but for those of you who are optically challenged like myself, right, you, you know how frustrating that experience is, right, when your glasses are on the side of your bed, or not your bed, but like on your bedside table or, you know, somewhere off to the side, and you're trying to wake up, I don't know, like say six o'clock in the morning, trying to get to school, and you're like reaching over, and you knock your glasses off, right? That's like the worst thing to happen for someone who has to wear glasses. And glasses never fall like, oh, right there neatly on a pillow next to the bed. It somehow ends up like in the middle of the bed, so you're just like, got to roll out of bed first of all, and then you got to do like this weird thing. Now that I've gotten older and I have kids, I'll lay in bed and I'll say, Evie, are you up? Yeah. Come in here, get my glasses for me. <laughs> and she's like, okay. So there's going to come a time when she's not going to want to do that for me. 
Back when I wore contacts, uh, which was a long time ago, right, you did the same thing, right? No glasses by the bed, but you kind of squint everywhere. You're constantly doing this, right? You're having a hard time even just because it's the morning, right? And you're squinting your way around the bathroom. You're looking on your counter, and, like, your nose is, like, too... The, the sink, right? Like, where are my contacts, right? You pick something up, and you're like, that's not it. That's floss. And you pick something else, and I'm like, oh, this is my son's car. Don't need that, right? And you look over here, and like, an eraser. Why is an eraser in the bathroom? And you just kind of toss it off to the side. Now, that's the reason, really, the, the number one reason why I got rid of wearing contacts, because that whole ordeal was so frustrating to me. Just having glasses alone, so frustrating to me. Why am I talking about my bad vision? Because I think a lot of times when we look at Scripture, we see the picture only in part. It's fuzzy to us. And in fact, Jesus does this intentionally in a lot of times and a lot of places, and for good reason. So we're going to look at Scripture now. Um, It's not going to be up on the screens, but I'm going to read just the first seven verses of John 13. We've been in a series called Healthy Relationships, Meeting Jesus, and um, very familiar stories for us. If you, especially if you've grown up in the church. But you probably have heard even these stories if you didn't grow up in church. And this is one where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. And there's a lot of great stuff in this story. Don't get me wrong. Great stuff about humility and leadership and love and relationship. Absolutely healthy. All right? This is what it says in John's Gospel, verses 1 through 7. Again, it's not up on the screens. Just follow along, listen along, rather. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, meaning going back to heaven, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he got up, he rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and took a towel tied it around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash the feet of the disciples and to wipe them with the towel that was around him. He came to Simon Peter and said, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing now you do not understand, but afterward you will understand. And that right there at the heart of our passage really reveals to us what fuzzy picture we see in the foot washing but then a clearer picture and a much better picture, I say, through that foot washing. And I'll get to that in just a second. So um, there's, a, there's actually a, a common thing that's been happening in all four of the stories that we've looked at for this series. Right? Let's go back to the woman at the well. Right? woman at the well was thirsty. Right? Or Jesus said, I'm thirsty. Right? He turns to the woman at the well, give me some water to drink. And what does Jesus say later on? The water that I have to offer to you is much better than anything that comes from this well. So there's a misunderstanding almost that happens, an intentional misunderstanding, right? The woman thinks that Jesus is talking about water. Jesus is talking about eternal life, right? And the second story we looked at two weeks ago, Emilio talked about, was the woman who was caught in adultery. And we might think, well, this is just a story about a woman who is sinful and Jesus forgives her, right? But there's a lot of misunderstanding even happening there. There's an intentional effort that Jesus makes to show not only to the woman that he has the ability to forgive sin, but to, this teacher, to the teachers of the law, to the Pharisees that were on, to the crowd that was watching. He was saying, hey, it's not just about this woman's sin. It's about all of us and how I can take care of that sin. 
And then last week, Tegan was sharing about the man born blind. And right off the bat in that story, in John chapter 9, it talks about how the disciples go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, this man's life, his purpose in life, was it to prove, was, was he blind because his parents did something wrong or is he blind because he did something wrong? The disciples thought, this is a clear-cut case. Man who's born blind. Is it his sin? Is it his parents' sin? And Jesus says, you have no idea there's something much deeper happening here. I want to give sight to him. Not just physical sight, but even spiritual sight. And the same thing is happening in John 13. You may think, all we see is a picture of a foot washing. We see a picture of a dinner of a man with his disciples. Very intimate scene. In fact, it talked about in the very beginning of that chapter, John 13, 1, Jesus knew that his hour had come. If you study the Gospel of John, I don't, I, go back and look. You will see no less than five times where Jesus says, or John says, Jesus knew that his hour had not yet come. And so he veiled the message. But now Jesus knew his time had come. Time to go to the cross. In fact, Jesus puts this even more clearly in John 12. This is what it says. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things that had been written about him and had been done to them. It wasn't until after Jesus had died and rose again and ascended back into heaven that the disciples said, whoa, I get it. All these things that he did. All the things that we were allowed to see and experience with Jesus, next to Jesus. Jesus having washed our feet and seeing these interactions with different people and these relationships. It all makes sense now. It's more than just what we see. There's a much deeper thing that's happening. So what are we misunderstanding or what is this kind of thing that we kind of see but don't really see what's behind it? We, right, right, we see this foot washing but behind it really is the story of the cross. It's a story of eternal life, right? Um, think about it. What is worse than dirty feet? Is having a dirty heart. Jeremiah 17 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test mine and give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So we see that, yeah, washing of feet, dirty. Jesus comes to do something even greater is to wash our hearts clean right? Worse than having dirty feet, which separates us from having a good interaction and a good time with the host of that party or the host of the dinner, right? Is that we're separated from God because of our dirty hearts, right? And look at what it says in Isaiah 59 too. But your iniquities, your sin made separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So not only do we know and we see that our dirtiness, separ uh, our dirtiness makes us dirty, obviously, but our dirtiness also separates us from God himself. And good news comes in Ephesians chapter 2, right? We were familiar with this verse or these verses, and I'm just going to leave it up there. You can see we were once dead in our trespasses, in our sins. We were not only separated from God, we ourselves were dead, right? And fast forward to the next slide. And it says, but God, verse 4, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, he made us alive. Jesus is up to something. It's not just washing feet. It's not just welcoming the disciples into the party or the dinner that they're having. He is welcoming them into the kingdom, the kingdom that he's about to go back to, right? We're in need of someone who can wash us and cleanse us of our sin. 
Hebrews 10 talks about this. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The disciples did not clearly get this when they were in the midst of getting their feet washed. Because that's all they saw. We see Peter's response, right? Lord, you wash my feet? And Jesus says, what I'm doing to you, you don't even understand. And I'm about to do something that's really going to blow your mind. And Peter's like, I don't know what to say to that. So don't just wash my feet only, wash all of me. And Jesus is like, oh, I'm about to, just you wait and see. But it's not going to be the way that you think. The law, the old system, was a shadow of the things to come. It, made, it, was, a, it was the blurry thing, and Jesus was making it clear. What you used to do with animals and sacrifices and blood, I'm doing that. I'm going to take on that punishment for you so that you, by faith, can be together now with God. That's good news, right? It is. So John is showing that at the heart of this foot washing is the dirty work of a humble servant who will die on the cross for our sin. And by this act, those who believe can come to a healthy relationship with God and with others. You see, at the crux of this entire series, at the center of this entire series, is that Jesus makes our relationships healthy. And notice what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Jesus comes to make all of our relationships happy, right? We would all be liars if we said every single one of our relationships are happy. Now, I'm not saying that there's, not, there's no room for happiness in our relationships, right? Absolutely, there is room for that. But that shouldn't be the main point or the main focus of a relationship. What makes a relationship healthy, Jesus is saying, is him, right? What makes a relationship happy is looking at that relationship through the lens of the cross, okay? If I went to a doctor, and I went to the doctor, and, and he said, uh, you know what, Jimmy, um, you tell me that you like to eat cheeseburgers and fried chicken and lots of noodles and Doritos, and I can see that you're overweight. The scale tells me you're overweight, but you look happy, right? Gives me a lollipop, pats me on the head and tells me, see you in six months, see you next year. I would probably, I should, right, consider a new healthcare provider, right? That's not a very good doctor. It's not just about me being happy. It's about me being healthy. I don't go to a doctor because I want him to tell me that I'm how happy I am. I want him to tell me or her to tell me how healthy I am. And if I'm not healthy, then I need to do something about it. Jesus, in our relationships, is saying, yes, I want you to be happy, but you've got to look at it through what I have done. Look at people through the lens of the cross. That changes the way that we look at our friends, our families, right? Our siblings, our teachers, our pastors, our leaders, our government leaders, in fact, even our enemies. It forces us to look at them differently. And that's a good thing. It may not make us happy. It may not make our relationship necessarily easier. But I absolutely guarantee meeting Jesus is the healthiest thing for us to do in our relationships. You know, Jesus' mission wasn't to come to wash the feet of the disciples. That's a small picture of what we see. Jesus didn't set in his iPhone calendar six months before, like, wash the feet of the disciples, right? He didn't set up six alarms and snooze through five of them to wash the feet of the disciples. He had a very clear and distinct mission, and that's Mark 10, 45, right? For the Son of Man came not to be served, 
but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is about eternal life. Another thing about the gospel, John, that I absolutely love is this about the I am statements of Jesus. And you may have seen this before somewhere else, but look at this chart. Look at these things, and it's all about life. It is all about Jesus' mission of giving life. He says, I'm the bread of life, right? Whatever you eat, don't just think about satisfying your stomach. I want you to satisfy, I want your life to be satisfied in me. He says, eat of me. Right? Verse 2, or number 2, I'm the light of the world. Think about what life would be like without Christ. It'd be dark. It'd be empty. It'd be meaningless. He says, I'm the light of the world. I'm here to give you eternal light and life. Three, I'm the door of the sheep. And, and really, together, hand in hand, the good shepherd. It's about protection. I'm not just here to give you life. I'm going to protect your life as well. I'm going to protect what comes in, what goes out. And I'm also going to guard you. I'm going to keep you safe because that is what I do. Five and six and seven. I'm the resurrection and the life, right? It's not just about physical life and death, but eternal life. Verse six, uh, number six, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Again, how do we find eternal life? Through Jesus and through Jesus alone. And then I am the true vine. It's interesting. I talked about being a part of the true vine this morning to third and fourth graders. Um, and I likened it to a light bulb and a lamp and electricity, right? We need to see, the, or the fruit of that light bulb, the lamp, and electricity is the light that comes off of that light bulb. Jesus uses a different illustration about fruit in our lives because we're attached to the vine, which is Jesus. But think about this. Jesus wasn't just about stories, about making us feel good. He knew the ultimate cost for us to get the ultimate thing. He knew that he had to go to the cross and die a death that we couldn't die and that by faith in him, we could live the life, really, that we don't earn. That is a healthy relationship. That is the challenge that we're faced with. So as you think about your relationships, because I know a lot of us, including myself, we've got a lot of broken relationships. They are hurting and a lot of times when I look at the relationships that I'm in that are hurting and broken, it's because I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking very selfishly. I'm making it about me. What am I getting out of this? And re- very rarely am I giving it over to God and saying, God, help me to understand this from your perspective. Help me to understand this from your view, from your worldview. Help me to see this through the lens of the gospel. I believe that every single relationship we have Parents, siblings, family, friends, co-workers, teammates, boyfriend, girlfriend, even your enemies must be seen and understood through the lens of the cross. So this is, I'm going to leave you with one of these like grenade things and, you know, just let it blow up. Um, think about these three things. This forces us, guys, to think about our identity. Who are you? And whose are you? What shapes you? What shapes the things that you think and do in life and what you want to pursue? Who are you? Think about also where God has put you. Your place, your physical place right now. Where are you? Yes, you're in Johns Creek and Perimeter Church right now. You go to the school that you go to. You live in the home that you live, right? God has put you there for a reason. For some of us, that is unpleasant. I get that and I totally understand that. I see the brokenness that some of us are in. But then also, 
think about where God is taking you, your calling in life. Who are you? Where are you? And where are you going? If you want health and relationships, you got to take all three of those things and you got to start at the cross. You got to stay in the cross and you got to keep on pursuing the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do not leave us um, without hope. And I know some of us in this room, we feel like we're without hope. God, would you quiet and still the voice of the enemy from thinking, from keeping us from thinking that you are close, God. You are indeed close and you are indeed good. Help us to remember these things. And when we feel like all of life around us is crumbling and fading away, God, would we be quick to remember that your name indeed is worthy and that we would sing of that, that we would remind ourselves of that. We might say, God, I don't see it. I don't get it. But I'm going to trust and believe, God, that you are good and that you are for me. God, remind us of this truth. Rather than the enemy telling us that you're not those things, God, we pray that your spirit would encourage us and strengthen us and remind us that you are with us and that you are going before us. God, I pray for all of the relationships that we are a part of. Again, some of us in very, very broken situations. We take this time to say, God, we surrender to you. We give them to you. And God, we ask for little glimpses here and there to remind us that you are in control. God, help us to pursue health. Help us to pursue the cross, the gospel for our lives. That is, that we are helpless and we are lost without you. And that God, by faith in you, you save us, you redeem us, and you keep us. May we long for that kind of life. May we long for that relationship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.